Well, this morning, if you have a Bible with you, I would like you to turn to the Gospel of John, and we will be looking this morning at verses, or excuse me, chapter 8 and verses 21 through 30, John chapter 8, verses 21 through 30. If you're visiting with us this morning, maybe you're watching by live stream this morning, um, I am preaching through the Gospel of John, and this is where we are come. We started at the very beginning, and we're going section by section all through this wonderful gospel, and this is the place where we find ourselves this morning. Now, last Sunday morning, we looked at the second of Jesus' great I am statements. We, the first one was found in John chapter 6, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Then in John 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that brings us to where we are at this morning. In verse 21, it says, So he, Jesus, said to them, and this is a reference to the Jewish religious leaders, So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Now we come this morning to one of those passages that is very serious and sober. Sometimes as you teach through a book of the Bible or preach through a book of the Bible or just read through a book of the Bible, you come to these passages. This has a dire warning in it. Jesus has been so gracious. He has been offering the gift of salvation over and over again. Last week, we saw him say, as I mentioned, I am the light of the world. Back in chapter 7, he gave what is known as the great invitation in John 7, verses 37 and 38, where he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And we see this gracious invitation throughout the Gospel of John. And yet, on the part of the Jewish religious leaders, there is rejection, repeated rejection. And if there is an overarching shadow on this particular passage, that would be it. Repeated rejection by the Jewish religious leaders. And our first point this morning is you will die in your sins. 
In today's passage of Scripture, Jesus makes the bold claim that anyone who does not believe in him will die in their sins. In the first part of verse 21, so he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Look at verse 24. He says, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So in two verses, Jesus says three different times that you will die in your sins. And as a Bible student, you should take note of that. That should immediately catch your attention because the Bible tends to teach by repetition its most important truths. And at the end of verse 24, Jesus makes that statement, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now I want you to think with me this morning to whom Jesus is speaking. As I mentioned, he is talking to the Jewish religious leaders. And so he says these things to men who claim to believe in God, to men who claim to be spokesmen for God, to men who, have, who would have said that God was the very foundation of their lives. Now what led up to this? Let's just think of where we are at in the Gospel of John. By the time this scene occurs, everybody in Israel was aware of Jesus. It is almost three years into his earthly ministry. Now, the Gospel of John, unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, focuses heavily on the very last part of Jesus' earthly three-year ministry. I just want you to have that in mind. So chronologically, when this scene takes place, we are only six months from the cross. Okay, when he is saying this to these leaders, we are only six months from his death. But they had heard from Jesus over the entire three years of his earthly ministry. Jesus has gone from the south to the north and back to the south again. He began his first year of ministry primarily in Judea, and then in the second year, for actually a little more than a year, he goes to the north in Judea, or excuse me, in Galilee, and now he's come back to Judea for the last month. So he goes from Judea to Galilee and back to Judea. And everyone had been talking about Jesus since the ministry of John the Baptist. Amazing, unheard of miracles were being performed on a daily basis throughout the duration of his ministry. They were hearing unparalleled teaching, sufficient evidence to prove that he was who he claimed to be, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. So in light of the overwhelming evidence we would conclude as we come to this point, at least it would seem to us that unbelief in Jesus is inexcusable. Think of it, they have heard the gospel from the master himself and they consistently reject it. Oh, do not be discouraged when you share the gospel with others and they reject it. They were hearing it from the master. They were hearing it from the son of God himself and rejecting it. There is an old saying in the English language that you have no one to blame but yourself. And that's actually a biblical concept. 
And as we look at these men, they had no one to blame but themselves because they had heard the gospel clearly from Jesus himself. The light of the world, the light of the world shined brightly in Israel for three years, for three years. But these Jewish believers, or excuse me, these Jewish leaders refused to believe. Now this is partially the fulfillment of John chapter 1 and verse 11. He came to his own and his own received him not. And please understand this morning, it's important for every one of us and for all of you listening by live stream, they were fully responsible for what they had heard. They were fully accountable and fully responsible for what they heard. The offer of salvation was clear, the evidence was compelling, and they made their choice. The whole Gospel of John is about coming to Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him he came to be the savior of the world. Think of what we have already learned in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, Jesus says again to the Jewish religious leaders, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Now notice verse 40. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life yet you refuse to come to me. And we think of that stinging indictment in John chapter 3 and verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Oh, the light, the light of the world, as we learned about last week, the light of the world has come into the world. And people loved they love darkness rather than the light. But don't miss it. Don't miss it. Some were believing. Some were believing. Drop down to verse 30. Look at verse 30. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. That is so important. It's like that's dotted throughout John's gospel. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. We saw this in John chapter 7 when Jesus was speaking at the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles. Some said he is the Christ. Some said he is the prophet, not just a prophet, but the prophet that Moses had prophesied about. We think of that great response of the disciples at the end of John chapter 6 where Jesus, where it says that many turned back and no longer followed him. That sad statement. Many turned back and no longer followed him. But then Jesus says to the twelve, will you go away too? And in John 6, verses 68 and 69, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Lord, where else can we go? You, and the thought is, only you have the words of eternal life. And we have believed, and we have come to know that you are the Messiah, that you are the Christ, that you are the Holy One of God. 
so some do believe. But the focus of this passage is on those who don't, especially those religious leaders. If there is one expression that best describes the Jewish religious leaders of Jesus' day, it would be self-righteous. They were self-righteous. At the end of verse 21, Jesus says, Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? And the mood of the text is one of sarcasm and mockery. Will he kill himself? Will he com commit suicide? Is that why he's saying, where I am going, you cannot come? But Jesus says to them, where I am going, you cannot come. You see, Jesus knows where he is going. He is the bread that came down from heaven. We learned about that in chapter 6. Jesus repeatedly says, I have come down from the Father. I am going back to the Father. But where he is going, they would never go. You see, he would die. And he is going to go to a place that they would never go. And the reason is he is going to heaven. And if they remain in their unbelief, they are going to hell. Their scorn and mockery is frightening. Self-righteousness says, I don't need a redeemer. I don't need a savior. You see, these men resented his accusations of their hypocrisy. They resented his proclamation that they were sinners and in need of a savior. You see, self-righteousness looks at a savior and mocks the whole idea. They simply do not see themselves as sinners. They mock the very idea of sin. They mock the very idea of a savior. Oh, folks, self-righteousness is deadly. Self-righteousness is the idea that you are good enough to get to heaven. If I do enough good things, if I live a good enough life, then surely... I will go to heaven someday. You begin to trust in your own religion. You begin to trust in your rituals, your, cer your ceremonies, your morality, your goodness. You have nothing to do. The self-righteous want nothing to do with passages like Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, the Jews at this time, and this is important, the Jews at this time, through keeping, or they thought they were keeping their interpretation of the law of Moses and their own man-made traditions that they added to it, the Jews at this time believed that they not only could earn their own salvation, but they already had. They not only believed they could earn their salvation, they believed they already had earned their own salvation. So where the Lord would go into the glory of heaven, they could not go, not in their unbelief. And so at the end of verse 21, Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot come. I came across a story about something that happened at a Billy Graham crusade many years ago. 
Billy Graham was speaking at an evangelistic rally in Melbourne, Australia. Afterwards, a man who watched the crusade on television wrote a letter to the editor in Melbourne's largest newspaper. And this is what he wrote. After viewing Billy Graham and hearing him on television and seeing reports and letters concerning his mission here, I am heartily sick of the type of religion that insists my soul and everyone else's needs saving, whatever that means. I have never felt that I was lost, nor do I feel that daily I wallow in the mire of sin, although his preaching insists that I do. Give me a practical religion that preaches gentleness and tolerance. If, in order to save my soul, I must accept such a philosophy as I have recently heard Billy Graham preach, then I prefer to remain forever damned. And he wrote his name, signed his name. It may surprise you, maybe it doesn't surprise you. This man is expressing what a lot of people, even right now, believe and hold to. Don't tell me I'm a sinner. Don't tell me I need a savior. Don't tell me that unless I receive Jesus into my life, I won't go to heaven. If I have to believe that, then I prefer to remain forever damned. Look at verse 23. He, Jesus, said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. You see, self-righteousness is from this earth. It does not come from heaven, it comes from earth. It is a secular, earthly concept. It is man-made and it is mired in the traditions of men. But Jesus is from above. He is different. This is the distinguishing mark between a Christian and a non-believer. We are from heaven. We are from above. Our home is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven and aliens and strangers in this world. We learned... When I was preaching through the book of Ephesians, we learned in Ephesians chapter 1, if you remember that, that as Christians we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right now, right now, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. We are citizens of heaven. This earth is not our home. But apart from Christ, you are from below. This is the origin of this world's worldview and religion from this earth. So, if anyone wants to die in their sins, all they need to do is trust in themselves. Trust their own goodness, their own morality, and their own man-made religion. Well, that brings us to our second point this morning. And that is determined to not believe. Determined to not believe. Oh, I think this morning, our patient, loving, and compassionate Savior continues to respond to the determined and cold-hearted unbelief of the Jewish religious leaders. If you have been with us throughout the Gospel of John, or if you have a fairly good grasp 
of the Gospel of John. You have seen them rejecting Jesus over and over again. And he is so patient with them. So patient with them. I know what I would have done. I know what you would have done. We'd have, we'd have written them off long ago. But he continues to proclaim who he is to them. Look at verse 25. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, from the beginning of my ministry. And when we come to verse 25, and they said to him, Who are you? If you're reading through the Gospel of John, you almost say to yourself at this point, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We've just seen seven and a half chapters of Jesus proclaiming exactly who he is, and you say, so who are you? And Jesus said, just what I have been telling you. It's just what I have been telling you right from the very beginning. So after two and a half years of telling them who he is, they say, who are you? Look at verses 26 and verses 27. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. And then it says they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. Again, it seems incredulous to us that at this point they would not understand that he was talking to them about his heavenly father, that he was talking about God the Father. Maybe they don't agree with him, but do they really still not understand that he is talking to them about the heavenly father, capital F, God the Father? He says, I have much to say to you and much to judge, but let me say again, notice his patience, but let me say again, he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. Now look at verses 28 and 29. So Jesus said to them, and this is really interesting, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my, on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. This is what Jesus is saying. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, when I am crucified, when I die, then you will know, then you will know at that time that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Then you will know that he who sent me is with me. Then you will know that he has not left me alone. And then you will know, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Now this is a, a little bit of a difficult saying here as you try to interpret it and put it in the context here the question is what is Jesus saying Jesus said when you have lifted up the son of man then you will know that I am he what does he mean by that and I read a lot of different commentaries on this and the consensus seems to be that of course they are unwittingly going to participate in the plan of God. They are going to have him arrested, turn him over to the Roman authorities who will crucify him and he will rise again. But Jesus says, when that happens, then you will know that I am he. And I want to say to you that we don't know exactly when what he is talking about will happen. Something that maybe after Jesus crucifixion later in their lives these religious leaders will say wow 
everything he said was true. We now see that everything he claimed about himself was true. Others say they think this refers to their death, that one day they are going to die. And in eternity, they will realize. It will come crashing in on them that everything Jesus said about himself was true, and they rejected it. So we don't know exactly what is going to happen, but Jesus says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. We do know from Philippians chapter 2, but it says, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Someday, every unbeliever will know that everything Jesus said about himself was true. But I want to make this passage intensely personal for us this morning. I want it to apply to every single one of us here, every single person watching. I want you to know there is only one thing that prevents you from dying in your sins and going to hell forever in an unforgiven condition. There is only one thing that will prevent you from dying in your sins and going to hell forever in an unforgiven condition, and that one thing is faith in Jesus Christ. That one thing is coming to a point in your life where you repent of your sin and you believe and receive on Jesus Christ. You receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. Has there ever been a time in your life that you know for sure, that you know for certain? Maybe you're 15. Maybe you're 35. Maybe you're 65. Maybe you're 85. I say to all of you, do you know for sure that there has been a time in your life where you have made a deliberate, conscious decision that you knew for sure that you repented of your sin and you invited Jesus Christ to come into your life as Lord and Savior? If you have never done that, he invites you to do it. He invites you to do it now. He invites you to do it after you leave here today. But we need to be reminded again and again and again that salvation does not come from trying to live a good life. Salvation does not come from trying to be as religious as we possibly can. There is no accumulated morality or religion that can save us. There is one thing and one thing alone that will rescue you from hell. At the end of verse 24, Jesus says, For unless you believe... For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Your eternal destiny, my eternal destiny, every person's eternal destiny comes down to one person. A decision about one person. No one comes to the Father but by Jesus. John Leaf mentioned that in his prayer this morning. No one comes to the Father except through him. You must believe that he is the great I am, the eternal, everlasting God who has come into this world to provide for our salvation. Think of this. The sin question always leads to the son question. 
the sin question always leads to the son question. What will you do with the son of God? What will you do with the son of God? There is only one way to escape judgment, one way, and that is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the message of the Gospel of John again and again and again. I want you to think of the complexity of all of the other religions in the world and of all of the different things people think they have to do to be saved or to go to some kind of heaven. Just think with me. There are all kinds of different religions. We could take a whole sermon listing all of the different kinds of religions in this world. And folks, it is heartbreaking. They are all made-up religions trying to get to some place beyond death that they've made up. A made-up religion hoping to get to a made-up place. Someone or some group of people at some point just made it up. They said, we, this is what we're going to believe. And here are all the things you have to do. And here are all the things you can't do. If you want to go to this place that we made up. And folks, that doesn't just describe millions of people. That describes billions of people. Trying to follow a made-up religion so that hopefully they go someday we'll go to a made-up place. Biblical Christianity is so simple. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's so simple. It all comes down to one person. What will you do with Jesus? If you want to die in your sins, just refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. Refuse to believe that he is who he said he is. But let me say to you again, there is only one thing, only one thing that prevents you from dying in your sins and going to hell forever in an unforgiven condition. That one thing is faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you've repented of your sin and you have consciously, knowingly invited Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Savior and Lord? Have you ever prayed to receive him as your savior. That is the question before all of us today. I could not say it more clearly. I could not say it more plainly than Jesus did at the end of verse 24. For unless you believe, for unless you believe that I am he, you, you will die in your sins. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Throughout the Gospel of John, we see that some believe and some do not. Help all of us to see. Father, my prayer this morning is help all of us to see that Jesus Christ is the Gospel. To believe and receive him is salvation. It is eternal life. It is the gateway to heaven. But if we reject him, oh, Father, the Bible is so clear. We will die in our sins. Oh, Father, help us to come to Jesus and to him alone. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.